Sal Berry, and Tim Parrish. This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Uh, yes, Doc Emmerich retiring. The big news in hockey from this week, he uh, announced his retirement on Monday. Mike Emmerich, 74 years old, going to retire, called his last game earlier this season, a couple weeks ago when Tampa Bay won the Stanley Cup back in um, late September. So um, I'm bummed out by this. I, I love Mike Emmerich. I think we all do. Oh, no, let me rephrase that. I think most real hockey fans do. And I hate to be that guy to say who is and isn't a real fan because that's some gatekeeping nonsense right there. But I would say that most of your diehards loved Emmerich, loved what he brought to the game. Tim, what are your thoughts? Uh, Most of the, you know, viewers of NHL hockey in the United States, I would say definitely Um, because he's been a, He's been a mainstay for many, many years, and those that go back even further that aren't new to watching hockey in the last 15 years or so since NBC has had it, um, you know, he's been he he worked for NBC or he worked for Fox, he worked for ESPN, you know, he was the announcer for the Flyers for a while, mm-hmm. for the you know for the Devils for a while, uh, for a long time actually, and so I mean he's been around forever. I mean he's a you know he's a gem in this business, you know. And everybody, everybody, again, not not everybody, everybody, but most people like him. I've never heard anybody say really a bad thing about the guy. And, uh, you know, yeah, maybe his announcing style isn't isn't for everybody, but, um, you know. It wasn't I think the announcing gonna... style that, that people would get upset about. It was more that he would just put in that random history, which I loved, which I think most of us did. Oh yeah, I mean he's like a walking encyclopedia when it comes to hockey because he's and, a student of the game, and I think that's what play-by-play guys need to be to hone their skills and be better at it. Sure, you have the color guys that are, you know, given the little background stories and the stuff about what's you know going on, but I mean, remember the color guys in most broadcasts are what they're ex-players, yeah. they're ex-executives, they're ex of you know officials or. Somebody that was involved with the game at some point. Play-by-play guys are generally, you know, just guys that went to broadcasting school or got a journalism degree or used to be a reporter and have made their way somehow into that booth, you know, you know, just spouting off and, and making the goal calls and stuff. And so, you know, Doc's one of those one of those people. I mean, a lot of people wonder why they he's called Doc. He has a PhD. Um, so, you know, it's, he's not called doc for just out of, you know, prosperity. It's because he's actually a doctor of communications. So, so I remember when I got into hockey in 1989, uh, I remember we got, uh, we got cable TV and there was, uh, at the time sports channel was the home of the NHL in uh in the united states now 
the NHL had signed a pretty lucrative deal. I want to say it was $51 million for three years, uh, 88, 89, 89, 90, 90, 91. 91, is a different story. But uh, for those three years, so it was a $51 million deal, which just blew anything that um, ESPN was offering. So what Sports Channel would do is that they would just basically take one of their regional network games and make that the, a national broadcast. So, like, if the Blackhawks were playing a road game, I would see the Blackhawks game. But if the Blackhawks were playing a home game, well, they didn't televise the Blackhawks uh, at home. It was by the, the Blackhawks choosing not to do that. Or, or, But anyways, or if it was just a game where the Blackhawks weren't on, then they would, you know, they would patch us into Sports Channel New York, and I'd see an Islanders game. Sports Channel uh, Los Angeles, and I'd see a Kings game, or Sports Channel Philadelphia, and I'd see a Flyers game. So I remember seeing a lot of Flyers games those first couple of years or during that Sports Channel partnership. And the play-by-play and color team for the Flyers those seasons were Mike Emmerich and Bill Clement. And that was, if you think about it, that is just such a dream team right there. Before, like, Look at how awesome the Flyers had it for those three years. I mean, as a kid, I knew those guys were cool. I love watching Flyers games, partly because of Emmerich's style. And then, you know, Clement just is Clement. You know, he's just a, a good color guy. I mean, obviously, he's moved up and moved on and, you know, to, to hosting shows and stuff like that. But uh, that's that's when I first remember Emmerich was back in, like, uh, actually was the 89 playoff run he did the play-by-play for the finals that were televised in the U.S., the, the Montreal-Calgary series. So, yeah, I mean, going way back. And it was just cool to see him just continue to be in hockey all these years. Like like you said, you know, going to the different networks and maybe working for this team and that team and then versus and NBC Sports and NBC and, and all that. Yeah, I mean, he's had a really long career. I mean, over 50 years been doing this. And it's it's interesting because you don't ever hear anybody really saying bad things about him specifically. And there's many stories about him just spending so much time, like giving, giving all of his time to everyone around him and talking to people and shaking hands and, you know, listening to everybody's stories and all of that kind of stuff. And in fact, he did the press conference today. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, the press conference kept dragging on and on and on. And by the time it was over, there were still a ton of questions in the queue still that had to be that weren't answered because they were running out of time. And he basically said to the moderators of the the whole program to get a copy of all the questions and who asked them, and he would email them all individually and answer all their questions. That's cool. I mean, that's that's like a class act thing to do. But uh, you know, then there's so many stories. I mean, he's been on so many different programs, you know, talking about his career and everything else over the years and, you know, telling stories about how he got started in the business and, you know, all the things that he, he got to see and go through going for I, me personally, I, I mean, that's, that's always been the highlight to me of watching hockey on NBC is getting to get the games that are the national broadcast games where doc and Eddie Olchuk are, are part of the that team because I think the two of them together was very good combination and they you know they played well off of each other 
during those broadcasts. Now I can live without Pierre, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Brian Boucher, you know. Yeah, I like Boucher. Bouch gives some some interesting insight. Pierre's fine. He just he just rubs me the wrong way. But I, I'm interested to see who he gets re- gets replaced with, you know, for the upcoming season. Because um, you got to remember, not only does he did he just do hockey, but a lot of times he would do the Olympic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and NBC is big on the Olympics, so you know when hockey shuts down for those weeks during the Winter Olympics. You know, Doc's been used for many of the events throughout the Olympics to call the different uh, the different events. So, but uh, you know, I've heard a bunch of names thrown around. One of them was Kenny Albert. I don't know if I'm big on that. Um, oh. But uh, you know, we'll see. Oh, I'm just gonna keep groaning. Oh. oh. I mean, the other thing too is they keep they keep seeing seeming to want to inject Mike Tirico into everything. Lately, what about uh, uh, John uh, Forsland? Forsland was would be a good choice, I think. I like Forsland. I I'd like I'd like Forsland, or uh, I think, or you know what? I mean, if Canada, a lot of the, <laughs> we'll take uh, we'll take Jim Hugson, um, because uh, I, I like his work on CBC. <laughs> Although I know a lot of people are like, oh, he's been around forever. He needs to retire, but. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot of guys that, you know, a lot of the legendary, I guess, sportscasters and everything that, that are out there. And, you know, whether or not you can get them into a position like that or, or you know, obviously there's going to be some kind of pecking order. Somebody's in line. Somebody's being groomed for that position. I mean, I'd like to see Gary Thorne back in the booth. You know, I'm glad you brought that up because... Whether that happens or not, I don't know. Doesn't he do Orioles games now or something? I'm not sure what he's been up to. I know he filled in for Bob Miller a couple seasons ago uh, when uh, when Miller was ill to do Kings games. I like Gary Thorne, but of course, you know, I I got a connection because um, he used to be the White Sox. uh, I think he just did it for one year. But I watched a ton of White Sox games in, I want to say it was summer of 89. And so he was just the voice of the White Sox to me, even though he had only done that for a year. And then he did the Devils broadcasts for sports channels. So, you know, I, I, I and then every now and then, you know, he, he you know, I'd, I'd catch him here and there doing different games. But, you know, not, not as consistently as Emmerich, of course, for, you know, for obvious reasons. But... If they said we're hiring Gary Thorne to replace Doc Emmerich, I'd be like, okay, cool. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, like, sorry to see Doc go. Hope he, you know, enjoys retirement. He probably figured, well, I mean, you saw the press conference. I didn't have a chance to watch it um, today. But, you know, I mean, you get to a point where you just go, eh, you know, it's it's time. You know, you're 74 years old. Do you really want to be doing this until you're 80, 90, or 100? Or do you want to do other things with your life? And I think... Once you've been doing something for 40, 50 years, yeah, you've, you've, you've made a career. You know, you've established yourself. You're, you you kind of did everything you can do. I mean, if you're a hockey play-by-play announcer and you do 22 Stanley Cup finals and you do the Olympics, what was it, six times? I mean, and those are only every four years. So, I mean, that just gives you an idea. You know when they say there's no place to go but up, but when you're at the top for so long? Yeah, eventually you get to a point, I guess, where you want to walk away. I wouldn't know because I've never been at the top of anything for very long. 
thing about being at the top, the only way to go is down. So, right. What about Thor- Thorn and Bill Clement together again? How about that one? That'd be the, good. You can get the broadcast team from like every NHL EA sports game. Oh, were the two of them on? Uh... Yeah, they were on. I think they were on a ton of them. Yeah, I'm thinking. Plus, they I... used to be the ESPN guys, so from like pff, forever. Yeah, that's right? true. Mid '90s to I think whenever ESPN lost hockey, they were. And still... you had you had the Fox guys. You had uh, uh, Jigs and JD, Jigs McDonald and uh, John Davidson. Yeah, they were a team. Oh, I know John Davidson and and Doc did the Stanley Cup Finals one one time. That was the one that was aired on Fox. To me, Doc, when you listen to him, he's got these, you know, especially on the lead-ins to games where he does the introduction. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you got, we got these two teams, and they have a long history together, and blah, blah. He's got this just very eloquently put-together piece that he does on everything. And just some of the the phrases and the terms that he uses during the game to talk about the way the guys are out there on the ice playing and, you know, Here's two guys that are beating the crap out of each other, and he makes it sound like it's a ballet. And it's, you know, that's that's good stuff. I like those two had a disagreement, and off they will go. Yeah. Maybe for two, maybe for five. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's, you know, and it, and that's the thing. It still paints the picture. You know, even if, if you closed your eyes and you listened to it, you would still see exactly what's going on. And that's, that, that that's the key, and I think he's uh, he's going to be hard to replace. But it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, uh, it will be. So uh, yeah, I was happy, I was a little happy bummed trails to, to hear Doc. That. Yeah, a little bummed, but happy trails. Thank you for you know giving us all these great hockey memories over the years. It's been fun. You know, maybe maybe come out of retirement for the next Olympics. I don't know. Anyway. Just, playing come on come on our show we, we'd like to talk to you and have an interview now that you're now that you're not busy and don't have anything to do <laughs> yeah i think that would put this show on the that would permanently etch this show on the uh the the, the map of podcasts right like oh puck junk you mean that show that had doc emmerich as a guest that one time people um, would stop listening they they would stop listening they'd be like oh these guys are big time now we can't listen to them anymore we liked them better when they were small time we liked them better when they were complaining about gum being stuck to the backs of cards than you know having we liked them better when all they talked about were stickers yeah so uh (laughs) no stickers to talk about this week but um i do want to talk about some card stuff if if you're ready to move on and i mean move on in the show not move on from uh, getting over uh, Doc Emmerich retiring. No, I'll never get over that. But yeah, let's move on with the show. Let's talk some. Let's talk some cardboard with pictures of men on it. Yeah. Okay. So just a quick update about the Virtual Expo 2.0, which is going to happen uh, November 21st and 22nd. So second to last uh, weekend, the weekend before Thanksgiving weekend. Got the Virtual Expo 2.0, which is a merger between the Sport Card Expo in Toronto and the Chicago Sports Spectacular in Chicago. So they've announced two guests. They haven't really said much about what the guests are going to do. I imagine it's going to be like last time where you can purchase a signed personalized photo or puck or ball or whatever, and then they'll also 
have like a Q&A panel. Again, I'm assuming this. This is what they did last time. So the two guests, Bobby Hull, Andre Dawson, two pretty awesome guests they have so far right there. Yeah, it is. Bobby Hall. Okay, he's he's not the rarest of guests because I mean anybody that collects hockey and chases autographs and all that kind of stuff uh, probably is well aware that Bobby Hall shows up to every event <laughs> that he gets invited to, and, and he signs a and lot. signs pretty much everything. So you know it's not that that's makes it diminishes it any, but I mean here's one of the greatest players of all time, and he's readily available and he signs autographs and he talks to fans and he answers questions and you know i mean he's a good guy to have you know chicago sports legend same thing with andre dawson i mean Mm -hmm. chicago sports legend also montreal expos legend um and uh you know and maybe he actually figured out what year it is what year it is yeah i remember the commercial where he gets where Kerry Wood pulls him out of the Ivy in Wrigley Field. He's like, <laughs> what year is it? That com- That's one of my favorite commercials of all time. I have not seen that one. Oh, that's an old one. I don't even well, remember it what it's for. It's, Wood. Like a, it's like an insurance commercial or something. And they're walking in Wrigley Field and talking about something. And, you know, he's pulling all kinds of stuff. He's like, all kinds of stuff gets trapped in this Ivy. And he pulls out like a, a French horn and... Like, just crazy stuff. And then he reaches in and pulls out Andre Dawson. And he looks around and he's like, what year is it? You'll have to find the commercial. So uh, what I what I thought was interesting, though, about the, the two guests that they announced was that both of these players are popular in Chicago. And they're both popular in Canada, like you said, because Andre Dawson being with the Expos and Bobby Hull playing for the Winnipeg Jets. So, I mean, they have followings, you know, in both sides of the border which i was just like hey that's that's a great that's a great choice i mean both of these players would be popular in other u.s cities as well as autograph guests just like phil Phil esposito would be popular in chicago even though he didn't really play long in chicago but you know what i mean like big enough of of names um right but i mean the fact that the the show is co-sponsored by the Chicago Sports Spectacular. It makes sense that they're going to want to try to have Chicago, former Chicago athletes as a draw. So it right. makes sense, but they're not, they're not like, they're not like hyper niche where like the player would only be popular in Chicago and not be appealing to, you know, just sports fans in general. Right. Cause if you're a hockey fan, you're going to probably want a Bobby Hull autograph, just like if you're a baseball fan or collect Hall of Famers or whatever, you're going to probably want Andre Dawson's autograph for, you know, at least to see the Q&A panel, right? So so the, both of these guys are draws. Right. Um, no, I agree. I think they're those are good uh, good choices. So the uh, uh, this Friday, October 23rd at 10 a.m. Eastern time, registration opens. So the Virtual Expo 2.0, it's going to have both free admission and it's going to have VIP packages. Now, I don't know much about the VIP packages yet. It just says that uh, a VIP package that includes some unique virtual expo exclusives and offers. I know that last time they had VIP packages and they sold out. And what what the what it was basically was ten bucks, but then you were given a ten dollar eBay coupon, and then you were given a raffle ticket 
to win a jersey that was either signed by Carey Price or I want to say the other one was uh, Sidney Crosby, if I remember correctly. So, yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. It's like, oh, you pay 10 bucks, but then you get a $10 off coupon and you can be entered to win a jersey. So that, that was a pretty sweet deal, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, the the jerseys, I don't, I don't remember who won. Well, I mean, you know, six the there's over six thousand registrants, so I don't yeah, know. I, I just know it wasn't me. So that's all I know. It wasn't me. Wins the carry price jersey, gets angry, <laughs> sets it on fire. <laughs> I would not do that. I'd wear the carry price jersey. Would you? I would. I would too. I'd wear a Crosby jersey. Maybe not the bright yellow one. Maybe not the one with the football numbers on the sleeves. Have you seen the the new ones that were supposedly accidentally leaked by fanatics on eBay? No. Um. Yeah. So those just those actually just came out. Was it yesterday or the day before? Mm-hmm. Um. It's a reverse color jersey. Uh, they showed the the Penguins one and the Flyers one. Hmm. They're calling they're calling them reverse retro jerseys. Interesting. Um, so think of the colors and reverse them on the jersey. So if you take the if you took the uh, the Penguins jersey that's black all black on the top and with the white with the white space on the bottom mm-hmm. with, the, with the Pittsburgh that goes diagonally. Mm-hmm. Think of that jersey. But reverse. So now it's all white on top with the black on the bottom and the Pittsburgh sideways. Uh, so like the Flyers one, instead of being white or black, it's all orange, but it's got the black shoulder and arm pieces. I think they had an avalanche one too, but I'm not sure exactly what that looked like. I think it was like 95-ish era um, well, avalanche, but I don't think they had a mock-up for that. The... I mean, the Penguins in the late 60s, early 70s, didn't they have white jerseys that said Pittsburgh diagonally across the front in the, the, the powder blue letters or they the were, sky blue letters? They were powder, the powder blue jerseys. Is that what you're talking about? Didn't they have talking... a white one, though, like that? Or was the white one always have a, a bird on it? Um, see, I, I don't recall the white ones, but you could be right. Nah, these I mean, are these are more like the ones from the nineties that had. No, the no, I know. I have one. I have one yeah. hanging in my closet. Yeah, so they're Pittsburgh. like that, but basically, take that jersey and reverse all the colors, and that's what. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah, I'm not so. liking it. Yeah, so I don't know if it was leaked or on purpose or whatever, but they call it reverse retro, and it's an alternate sweater that supposedly is going to be used when NHL resumes in january or february or whenever that happens so but we'll see anyway speaking of jerseys that's why i brought that up i want them to go full scale throwback you know you could do a perfect one with the if you're going to do flyers and penguins i mean you can go all the way back and you know bring out the old quakers jerseys or the uh or the pittsburgh pirates hockey club back from the you know, the late 20s and early 30s. Do something like that. Well, the 
the uh, uh, I, I believe the pirates became the Quakers. The pirates moved to they relocated to Philadelphia and became the Quakers. That so I think if the if those teams played against each other in the third period, they'd have to like change jerseys and like you know change teams or whatever. The Penguins could wear the Pirates jerseys and the Flyers could wear the Quakers jerseys. Oh, I get there it. You go. I get it. Speaking of pirates, you mentioned like the things that people, the announcers say. That was one thing that Doc always used to do. Almost every broadcast, he'd bring up something about the pirates because he was a well, huge pirates fan. He's a fan, and he got to call some pirates games a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, he would show up at least once a year to a game and sit in the booth and talk to the guys, and he he'd do a little bit of play by play while he was up there. But uh, yeah, huge huge pirates fan. Well, he did he did play by play for a few preseason games. Yeah, because he he just he said, you know, thank you for letting me, you know, geek out about this, you know, childhood dream of mine to be a a, a Pirates uh, play by play announcer, which I yeah. thought was pretty cool. Um, He's the only grew up a Pirates fan because that was the strongest radio signal he could get growing up. Wow. KDKA. How, really? Yeah. I used to get I sometimes I used to get L.A. radio stations in chicago not very strong of course but yeah i know what you mean about radio signal you know it's funny there's like a four-year gap or four-year span in my life where i didn't listen to the radio because i could not get signal when i lived downtown from 1997 to 2001 the signal was just for shit because of all of the tall buildings and whatnot so i i did not listen to the radio those four years i like either i bought it on CD, listen to it that way. I mean, I might have heard the radio a little bit, but yeah, I just did not get good, really good signal, and just it just wasn't a thing that I did. And then I remember when I moved into an apartment after college, and I started listening to the radio again. It was like, huh, all these bands I never heard of. <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, more news in um in uh, just hockey trading card world news. Um, so uh, 2019-20 Upper Deck Credentials and OPG Platinum are both available on EPAC, which should probably drive down some of those prices on the rookies and inserts, eh? Um, you better believe it. Yep. Once those things start hitting, well, I don't even want to get into the whole ComC thing going on right now oh, but... no 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 dude i am i am that i am that blue whale that just swims with its mouth open and just you know what, what do they eat the, the plankton and the krill but they don't even because there's just they just they just swim with their mouth open and they just they just eat it that you know what i mean that's me right on now. c-o-m-c that's oh 27 cents yeah 28 cents 29 no, and... cents and that's fine, and I get that. I do the same thing because everybody wants a deal. You know, you're trying to collect on a budget, and when you're a set builder and trying to put stuff together, I mean, where else are you going to go and get 29 cents? Sport lots, you can get 27 cents. But, I mean, the, the thing that I'm talking about is, you know, they've been so far behind. I mean, you try to cash out an order with economy shipping right now, the estimated delivery date is sometime in February. Well, and that's I mean, as of I right now. I only get cards shipped about once a year. I well, usually I used do, to it... do it quarterly. I used to do it quarterly. I would probably ship once every, you know, once every three months or so. Mm-hmm. But I haven't shipped anything since a year ago in October because I didn't have enough to ship 
I usually wait till I get about 300 cards or so to ship it. So I get a nice little box and I didn't have enough in there to ship it the beginning of the year in January. So I just held off and waited and then this whole thing happened. And so now if I even tried to ship them, it's telling me that I won't get them until February. So, uh, they are also running very slowly on loading things into their system so those that have the stuff in their EPAC, if you decide to move it over to COMC, that's pretty much the only way it's going to show up in your account quick. If you have physical cards and you send them to them, good luck. You're going to be waiting a while. Right. But, uh, yeah. So the fact that they're, you know, they put these products on there, yeah, this is what it does. It takes the value of the product and instantly floods the market with, with a ton of it so that the prices drop. Well, I mean, and I'll give you a for instance, and I want to say it was Connor McDavid's rookie year, uh, that upper deck set, because so much of that product was was uh, bought and opened on EPAC and then immediately put on COMC. I put together the entire, um, is it the portrait set? Before they started doing the two pictures, where they just do the one picture that's like just a close-up shot, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yep. Um, I put together the whole series one and series two set for 10 bucks. And nice. the two cards that cost me the most were Connor McDavid and Jack Eichel. And I want to say I paid like $2 for one and $1 for the other one, or maybe three and two or something. And then the rest of them were like between 27 cents and 35 cents. And I put together the whole set for like $10, $12. I mean, it was really cheap. I mean, maybe a little more maybe my math is a little off if it's about three for a dollar but you get the point i mean i put together that whole insert set for cheap and this was like what was it like maybe 50 cards or 100 cards or i forget off the top of my head but it had more than 10 cards it was like a substantially sized uh insert set like maybe 25 in series one 25 in series two or something like that so i i liked that i liked being able to just put together these sets and i mean I've been picking away at the 1617 Upper Deck Compendium set. I'm about less than 100 cards away from it now. I think I need like about 50 or 60 cards. But now I just don't have any incentive to shop for them because, eh, you know, they're not going to ship to me anytime soon. Right. Well, and that's that's part of the issue is, you know, you, they want you to come on there and spend and spend and spend. And, okay. I'm spending. Where's my stuff? Right. When do <laughs> I get so, these cards that you promised me? Yeah. And so you leave it in your, you know, if it's something you leave in your account or something you're trying to like turn around and sell or whatever you're doing with it, you know, you can end up incurring fees and all this other stuff, just depending on how you have it situated in your account. Really? So pretty much mostly everything I have is set to not set as not for sale. And mm. basically ready for ship. Mm. So that way it's ready to go. And I keep checking it every once in a while to see if the time frame lowers. But it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I have... <laughs> Unless I one... want it next week. I could get it next week for $438. Wow. Plus yeah. 20 cents per cart, right? Well, it's, that's the shipping cost. Is Just the shipping cost is 400 and, um yeah, it's four hundred. If you filled, if you filled a priority flat rate box, you could put a couple thousand cards 
in penny sleeves. Here, I'll tell you in, what it is right now. In boxes. I have, 900, I have 900 cards ready to ship. 900 because I haven't shipped in three quarters. I can Almost fit 900 four. cards in two boxes and then put those boxes in a priority box for $15.95. Sure. And um, the problem is they have to go and find all 900 of these cards and pull them all. And inventory them and make sure they're the correct ones. Check them off the list, box them up, and then ship them. Well, they don't have the people for that. And they've been shut down for so long because of the, you know, because of COVID and mm-hmm. quarantining and all of that kind of stuff that it's just, once you start falling behind, it's hard to get caught up. I saw that they were hiring people, though. Of course, you got to live in Washington if you want to work there but still if there's anybody out of work that likes cards you can get a job there <laughs> i can't see i can't even log in i was going to log in right now and tell you exactly what it is and all i get is the spinning wheel of death mm-hmm. so maybe they're having issues yeah well they actually they were having issues a couple days ago um i was go- i tried going to their site and it said this website is not secure oh here it and- is got it and uh, so they're having some certification issues. But anyway. I stand corrected. If I would like it delivered Thursday, October 29th, I could get it express rush delivery for $491.99. Well, you said four ninety three, so you're off by a dollar. Yeah, so I was close. So. Yeah. Otherwise, guess... it's $8.99 for economy delivery, which now says January 28th. So wait. Those are your only two options? No, I have other options. I could get it January 26th for $13.99 or... Instead of the nope. 28th. Yeah. Or November 7th for $241. Okay. Uh, or November 9th for $236. How are they coming up with these prices unless they're paying somebody like a dollar a card to pull your... No, it'd be like 50 cents a card. To pull your cards. Well, the 236 says it's economy rushed. The 241 says priority rushed. And the 491 says express rushed. Yeah, but but we're not... So. These, aren't the, these aren't the times in the mail. These aren't the times in transit from Washington to Indiana. This is... No, the vast majority of that, of that money is the shipping and, or the handling. The labor Handling costs. and packaging. Right. It's not the shipping costs. Right. Correct. So, yeah, I, I, I don't get it. I mean, maybe they can only have very few people in the business at one time, and so that's going to limit how much they could do. I don't know. You know, I mean, it is what a- it is. You know, it's, I've heard of people, I've heard people getting their shipments quicker than what it's saying, but it's not much quicker. Like we're talking two months or I, I got some cards there. I got one card that I've been looking forward to getting. I bought it uh, maybe about two months ago. Um, and I was just like, ooh, I can't wait to have this card. And then I realized, oh, wait a minute. No, no, this is going to take a long time. So I'm just like, so now in, in, in my mind, I just call it COMC jail. This card that I want is in COMC jail. And I just kind have. Of. Yeah, I mean, just 
Com C jail, the Com C block. You've got one, and I've got nine hundred and eleven being. Oh no, I have more than one card. But the the thing is, is that most of the cards I buy on Com C are like of the thirty to fifty cent variety, or it's just some whacked out card that I'll say, "All right, screw it, I'll pay four bucks because this person actually shipped this." weird card that like nobody else has all right he's earned his four dollars on this card just here you you know what i mean like yeah the vast majority of what i have in there is either well it's mostly set need stuff to fill in the blanks of stuff off of my checklist of everything that i'm looking for or it's you know penguins or pirates or stealer stuff i mean there's really there's really nothing on there that's like Oh, I'm buying this because I think I can resell it for more. Or I'm buying this just because it's cool and it doesn't fit anything in my collection. I don't have anything like that. It's all like it all has a purpose. Like everything that's in there. No, and has, you know what? It's pretty much a purpose. And it's like I have all my lists and I look at my lists and I mark them. I'm like, okay, I have this in COMC, but I don't physically have it. And I have a lot of that on my checklist right now. No, and see, I I like those cards that just that don't fit. In fact, I in my personal collection because I had so many of these cards, um, I just they I got like maybe a third of a two column shoebox or two row shoebox with just a, a stack of cards, and I have a divider that just says oddball and fun, and that's just what you know. And I like that. You know what I mean? Like oddball and fun i find something and i go that's awesome and i buy it and no i don't need it for a set i just it's just oddball and or fun and i think that's okay too i mean you know, obviously collect what you like but uh you know i don't know I if think- i have anything weird in my i'm not going to look through 900 right now to to tell you if i do because no, that's just too I mean, much but sure i don't know maybe s- i did Maybe you have something weird in your collection. Maybe I found the Joey Logano hockey card and put it in my list. I don't know. I have that. Who knows? I might too. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I have the Joey Logano hockey card. Um, What's it called? Uh, Yeah, I found that. uh, That was in just a, in a, it was just in a. Press or something? It was a press pass card, but it was a 25 cent. It was in, in a 25 cent box. At, at a show and i was just like huh like who's this kid because at first i saw it, it's it's this kid goalie so the first thing you think is like oh this must be a be a player set right and then i'm like joey logano and i flip it over i'm like oh yeah yeah yeah, the nascar driver right so i bought it because it was a quarter and i'm just like well where am i going to find this again for a quarter because like if i find it on com c it's going to be like two dollars so totally worth the quarter ended up um ended up uh doing a blog post about it uh like when he won the daytona a couple years i think it was about four or five years ago he won the daytona 500 he was like the second youngest man to win the daytona 500 and i'm like yeah joey logano now's the time for me to tell the world about the Joey Logano rookie card or hockey card rather. Um, and then actually he was on Rick Tittle's show a couple weeks ago. And I, I said to Rick, I'm like, Hey, ask him about his hockey card. Ask him about his hockey card. And he did, which was kind of funny. Nice. See, uh, 25 cents for, for social media content. Well, Can't beat that. But that's the thing that just like cards, 
like this is why I love this hobby because there's just so much cool, odd, weird stuff out there. In fact, I was thinking about like how homogenized the whole industry has gotten because you have all these exclusives. You don't get any real fun cards like Fanimation. And if they, if Upper Deck does put out Fanimation when they do, it's like one in every a thousand packs. And it's just putting yeah. Patrick Kane in front of some skyscrapers like Leaf, have, like they, 93, 94 Leaf, you know? Yeah. It's been out every year. It's just impossible to find. It's not like the Fanimation cards from the 90s. It's not yeah. like that Michael Jordan card where he it says Agent 23 and he's like soaring through space, you know what I mean? In like a in like a superhero costume or like or like Wayne Gretzky is like uh, an event, you know, is, is like an Avenger superhero type, you know, or like those craft superheroes or like you don't get that weird stuff anymore. Just that weird fun stuff or even just like because they really stopped sp- making collector's choice. Well, and that and not only that, but I'm talking about even like the smaller companies like who remember like in the 90s, there were a lot of little card companies that made like trading cards like there was comic images was really good for like making superhero trading cards before that became like a really big business now it'll be like you know upper deck is making x-men cards right but you know like 30 years ago it'd be these like small press really cheap kind of cards i don't know i guess i'm just saying there was like more like independent card companies i guess i'm trying to say yeah not non-licensed people. Okay, well, or actually, maybe they had a license, but not main. I guess not mainstream would be the correct term for that. That's a good. That's a good segue, actually, because I also wanted to just mention that uh, President's Choice Trading Cards, who also makes hockey cards, uh, they're putting out a set that will debut this Friday called Captain's Row, which is going to feature um, game-used uh, jersey pieces or other memorabilia pieces from team captains i've seen a few of the cards uh, just two of the cards one had four swatches on it one had six swatches on it anytime you get six swatches and six headshots on a card that's usually a pretty good card you know especially if they're all team captains you know it's all Can't really go wrong with that you know all killer no filler i mean i'm sure you could find a few like you go huh that guy was a captain okay cool whatever <laughs> Whether they chose to include those, though, I don't know. Right, yeah. But anyway, so uh, the the big topic we wanted to talk about for today, the reason why you clicked on that play button, and thank you very much for doing that, is we're going to talk about 2021 Upper Deck MVP, which, granted, that came out before Opeechee did. But we talked about Opeechee last time because... I was ready to talk about Opeechee then. I was waiting for to get a box of MVP in the mail. I bought a hobby box. I bought about six fat packs. I had a friend give me a, a ton of doubles. I still need like four cards to complete a base set, but that that's close enough to talk about it. So uh, just going to throw out the facts really quick. 2021 Upper Deck MVP, 200 base cards. 50 short prints that are either of star players or holdover rookies. Um, A hobby box has 20 packs. There's eight cards per pack. And a box will run you about 40 bucks. You get one short print in every two packs. And then um, I haven't seen retail packs. I'm sure they exist, but I have seen fat packs. Uh, You get 34 cards per pack. 
Uh, they're four ninety nine per fat pack, and you get about three short prints in every two packs. So you either get one or two short prints in a fat pack. And if you don't get two short prints, then you get a uh, an insert of some sort. So those are just the facts. Now just we can the facts. The, now we can move on to the opinions. Um, how many opinions do you have? I have a lot. What a shock, um, right? Well, I think the first thing, well, I, I think the first thing that's really newsworthy, and this should have probably how I, I started the segment, was sell buys MVP cards. Because usually I look at MVP and I go, hmm, I'll wait for OPG and Upper Deck Series 1 and Upper Deck Series 2, because those are the sets that I really like to collect. Or you to say, me, I'll just wait till they put out the factory set later in the year and I'll just buy that. Well, that's, okay, so... Many years ago, I would just say, eh, MVP, I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait until something that I like better comes along. Then two years ago, when they first started putting out factory sets, I'm like, all right, a factory set. I'm going to buy this factory set. And then last year, I'm like, well, I'm just going to wait for the factory set. Even though I did get a box and I opened it, but I had no inclination of, uh, or no aspirations to build the set. I was just like, well, I know a factory set's going to be out in time for Christmas, so I'm just going to buy that, and I did. And I know this year a factory set is coming out, but I was at Target. I was looking at the cards. They had, they had cards? Yeah, they, the only cards they had, the guy must have just visited, the only cards they had besides Topps NFL stickers which are not cards and tops match attacks also not cards well you know what i mean um and pokemon and and Yu-Gi-Oh, which man the card aisle is just overrun with ccgs it's it's a little sad well yeah because have you seen the prices of pokemon cards now they're back to where they were a long time ago people buying and selling charizards for twenty thousand dollars it's stupid uh, well, I mean, but, you know, there was that one year that Charizard led the league in uh, base hits, home runs, and stolen bases. So, I mean, we must not forget about that. Okay. Or, I'm sorry, this is a hockey show. There was that one year that Charizard, you know, he led the league in goals and penalty minutes. Because, I mean, he's, he's a freaking Charizard. Of course he's going to lead the league in penalty minutes. Yeah. I don't know anything about Pokemon cards. I know that my kids used to collect them, but they don't have them anymore. Um Actually, one of them does. He still has his booklet of them, and we went through them the other day when when the announcement was made that some Charizard card, some rapper or something, bought one for $200,000. And I was like, what? So we went through his book to see if he had any. Of course he didn't. No. But, you know, still. Well, I, we I did find a, a couple cards that might be worth 20 bucks. so... So I have fun. a younger brother who used to collect Pokemon cards back in the day. I don't know. I don't think he has any of those really rare ones, though. Okay. But well, uh, anyway, if you do so, buy the factory set, it's going to yeah. be a different color. Just remember that because it is every time. And this year, the regular MVP cards are have that green. They're that greenish color. Mm -hmm. You can bet the factory set will be probably some color of blue. Dark blue, light blue. I don't know. Well, I, I don't really care. I mean, I just want the cards. You know what I mean? I like having a set of cards with all the players that I could look at and read their stats and whatnot. And, I mean, I'm, I'm a card collector. So, 
to me, a, a factory set is fun. I mean, I, I know that's not fun for you because you like to build the set, but sometimes I just like to have the set. Like, to me, the most fun I have with the set is putting it in pages and looking through it. That, to me, that that I, I enjoy that activity the most, more than having them in a box and still needing 30 cards and, and trying to find these last few cards. But um, I was at Target. I was just like, ah, I'm going to grab a pack. Five bucks. Then I, like, walked back, and I said, eh, I'll spend 20 bucks, and I grabbed three more packs. And then, like, five seconds later, I ran back, and I grabbed the last two packs. I'm like, ah, in for a penny, in for a pound, right? Like, just, it, I'm, like, thinking to myself, well, I know I'm going to need more than four fat packs if I'm going to build the set. Like, you buy right. one pack of cards just to see what they're like. If you're buying four fat packs, you've already made a commitment to something. Whether if it's a high-end set, you've made a commitment to try to get a hit. And if it's a low-end set, you've made a commitment that you're going to try to build that set. So I'm like, well, might as well get the last two fat packs. So I grabbed all six of them. Uh, got pretty close to a set. I mean, it didn't have any of the, like, super rare inserts. Um the box that I got then, I ended up getting a hobby box about two weeks later. Um, I think it had some rare inserts, but not anything like none of the Easter eggs or anything like crazy rare. So my opinion, though, in like 30 seconds or less, it's typical MVP cards. They're glossy. Picture on the front, no picture on the back. Five years of stats. Text is really small and hard to read, even though they have lots of blank space where they could probably make the text just a little bit bigger. You know, help out your aging uh, fan base here, right? Who are in their 40s and get to squint to read the little text. Um, I'm not 15 anymore. But um, 200 cards of the best, almost the best 200 players. Because then you have like, well, Ovechkin is in the, within the 200 cards. But then like, there's like a Steven Stamkos that's like, uh, and I don't know if he's in the base set, but like, they put superstars as short prints, and I always think that's a disservice. Stamkos is actually not. He's a short print. Right. So I have the short print version of his card. Um, well, not version. He's a short print. Yeah, so anything I think above it, 200 is a short print. Well, no, I know that. But I know sometimes, I know there have been cases where they have short printed veteran players, but they also had a card in the base set not not necessarily mvp and i'm not saying for this year but i'm just saying that has been that has happened before i was gonna say i don't that is not the case with this one i can tell you that so let me ask you this if you don't put together a base set or sorry if you put together a base set if you say to you know you put together a base set and you give it to somebody you go here's a base set of cards and you go and somebody goes oh cool it has rookies right well, no, no, the rookies are short printed. Oh, okay. Well, it'll it'll still have like Connor McDavid and Sidney Crosby then, because they're not rookies. Well, no, 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 they're like the best guys in the league, so they're not in the base set either. Correct. All of that so, would be correct. I think that's see to me. <laughs> but I if you want Kevin focus. LeBlanc and John Carlson, you got them. Well, you know, okay, it's like this: if I'm going to collect a set. There's even a Rocco Grimaldi card. Come on. Okay, so 
if I buy a set of cards or collect a set of cards, I want rookie cards and I want cards of the best players. And I feel like it should be one or the other. Like, you look at a set like SP Authentic, right? Base, base set, 100 cards, and you go, well, it's 100 cards, and that's a really small set. But then you go, but those 100 players in that set are damn good. You know what I mean? It's like the top two or three guys from every team, and then usually they'll pepper in guys like Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux every now and then. But like a set like SP Authentic, you know that that base set is going to have Crosby and McDavid and Ovechkin and Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and Steven Stamkos and Evgeny Malkin and I mean I could just keep going on, right? So But I guess that, if you're looking if you're looking at quality value, then you also have to look at this. You were buying fat packs, which have what, thirty cards? Thirty-four, which 34 I remember cards in that, a fat pack. I remember that because Austin Matthews is on the wrapper. Oh, and there you what go. number does he wear? AM thirty four. It's 34. Um, so 34 cards in a fat pack for five bucks. You're not going to get a pack of SP for five bucks. No. Or SP authentic, I should say. Because there's a difference between SP and SP authentic now. Since SP has become a retail product. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, SPA is obviously a higher, higher price point. So I guess higher quality player selection in the base versus, uh, I mean, look, I look at it this way. MVP is a chase set to me, just like Opeachy is a chase set, just like series one and series two are a chase set. MVP is a chase set to me because anytime where your actual set checklist includes 200 cards or more, I consider it to be pretty much a chase set these days. I mean, with card sets coming out with, 90 cards or 100 cards or 150 cards you know those are just like they they put 100 cards in there because they had to throw base in there but mm-hmm. really people are chasing the hits mvp is not a hit chaser opc is not a hit chaser series one and series two other than the young guns they're not really hit chasers because most of the time when people get a jersey card in there they throw it away because they don't care so, so what did what did you call the set then a chase set yeah, it's a it's a it's a set chaser set. Um, set builder set. If you if you're if you're trying to chase down an entire set, this is one to add to your list of something to go after because it's more than just a few cards. So yeah, you go after your base two hundred cards. Well, then what do I do from there? There's a two hundred and one. Well, I need that card. There's a 250. Well, I'll need that card too. And, you know, you just keep going from there. I've been putting these MVP sets together for years now. And not to me, what I consider the full set of MVP is if you have one through 250. Mm-hmm. Because, again, yeah, they are short printed at 201 to 250, but they're not as short printed as let's say a young gun would be right where there where there are six in a box versus 10 in a box one every two packs right so <laughs> i don't consider these as short printed as maybe something like that but 250 you can probably get 250 the puzzle backs i think are fun so i chase after those two so my sets aren't complete until i have them all and those are a lot harder because you don't get those as often 
they don't pop up as as frequently. You only get maybe what five in a box. I think I got five in my box. Yeah, I have yeah, five I right here. I think it's five rookies and five puzzle bag. Um, and so that's what you're going to end up in a box. So that's what I would consider to be, you know, a full set. So you're talking 250 in the base plus another 200 in the in the uh, puzzle pieces. So 450 cards. To me, that's a full set. Now, obviously, you would chase inserts too if you wanted to be a completist, but to me, the full set would be the base plus the puzzle pieces. Plus now, the short prints. People can, yeah, and plus the short prints. People, you can disagree with me. That's fine. I have no problem with that. But for my collecting purposes, that's what it is. So that's why I like the MVP set because it's got a little more beef to it. You know, it's not just 100 cards. What what are your thoughts on the uh, the the retro parallels? Well, this year's retro actually I kind of like because these come from the the O one um, um, MVP set, mm-hmm. and that was the year that they did the multi tier. So mm-hmm. they did um, the stars of the game is was basically the theme. So you had a one star, two star, three star, mm-hmm. and so they have the different levels of those. And I like the design. Um, I always liked the design from that year. So um, they're kind of cool. I don't know that I'll build them or put them together, but I'll at least grab the uh, grab the pens when I can find them. Um, I so is it is it just basically a straight up parallel of the whole set? Of the whole set, no. It's only I want to say there's only a hundred. Okay, yeah, Yeah. because I'm looking because all the ones I got were under a hundred. That's why I'm asking. There's usually only a hundred of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they'll do, I think it's 70, 75 or 80 they'll do as just regular veterans. And then the rest will be, um, usually rookies mm-hmm. and maybe st- the superstars that, that you think should be in the regular. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at the checklist for those, I think Patrick Kane and, and the Ovechkin are are in the bottom ten or twenty, hmm. but then there's a sprinkling of uh, some of the rookies that are mixed in there. And the rookie design that they use, they use the uh, MVP prospects uh, from that year as well mm-hmm. to uh, celebrate the twentieth anniversary. That seems to be the theme. Each year MVP comes out, they go back twenty years to do the twentieth anniversary set. From that year, but of course, there's parallels of all of those too. So the 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 regular cards are the three stars, the two stars are numbered out of a hundred, and the one stars are numbered out of twenty five. Yeah, so I'm actually looking here. So it looks like they're not actually a parallel set; they're their own set. Yeah, it's its own. It's its own. Thing. It's its own separate thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I, I kind of like these. I mean, it's it's something I'd consider building just because. I do kind of like the retro stuff. Um, even though I wasn't a big hockey card collector in the early 2000s, um, I mean, stuff from like 97 to like 2003 is still very novel to me because I just, I'll see a card and like go, oh, I never saw that card before. Oh, that's some sort of top set that I don't remember. Or that's some sort of Pacific set that just, you know, I slept through the whole Pacific. Uh, the, the whole Pacific era of hockey cards, I just kind of, 
I, I, uh, I was doing, I had other pursuits then, but, um, I like the, I like the retro parallels. I could do without the silver script parallels. Cause I felt like there was just so many of them, like just so many of them. Like I would rather have had more of the retro parallels or more of the puzzle pieces, but like, not only were there like these silver scripts, which I understand that's a part of MVP, but like there was, I also got like this silver script that was like rainbow foil shiny. And I was just like, oh, that's kind of neat. Rainbow foil shiny. I don't know, like the the uh, the autograph. Well, not the autograph, but like the the facsimile autograph and the uh, MVP logo and the um, foil on the cards were like rainbow foil instead of Check. just like. Yeah, check that card. Does is it numbered? Does it have a serial number? It does not. You sure? I mean, I'm looking at it. This one does not. I did get a serial numbered card, and I'll talk about that in just a second. This one, no serial number. It just seems to be like a rainbow foil. Well, if it's if it looks gold, then it's. Oh wait, there's sorry. God, it's so hard to see. 16 out of 25. Yeah, so that's a superscript. Oh, okay. Well, Nick Felino. Any Nick Felino collectors out there? Yeah, Nick so Felino going once, going twice. I was well, going to say, because the gold scripts are flat. And if it's shiny, then it's one of the superscripts. And it, super it should script. be numbered. Okay. Well, the thing is, is that, like, I think I got the a box that was intended for, like, a Columbus Blue Jackets fan. Because the other, like hit yeah, in I've my had that happened before huh i've had that happen before so my other hit was a um it's a some sort of a uh what does this say it's mvp prospects liam footy footy sorry so one of the holdover rookie oh that's a color and contours card i'm actually really excited to get this card because i remember when i was watching the playoffs and i'm like dude there's a guy in the blue jackets named Foodie. That is so awesome. But then when I saw that his name was spelled F-O-U-D-Y and not F-O-O-D-I-E, I just I got to, I got disappointed. I was like, ah, his name's Foodie, but it's spelled wrong. But uh, yeah, this one to me is a keeper. You know, like if it, I only need one Liam Foodie rookie card in my collection, and this is going to be the rookie card because this would be this is a nice one to have. Well, until most, a young comes along. Most of the colors and contours ones that they've done over the years, they you know they they all had those die cut different mm-hmm. die cut designs on them and everything else. I think this year with the colored, I think the orange, that that orange fire looking color, yeah, like the one you have. I think that's a a nice looking backdrop. They're all numbered out of two fifty. Yeah, this one's um, one eighty out of two fifty. Yeah, there's also a green version and a purple version. Uh, the green ones are out of 20 and the purples are like impossible to find. They're out of three. So I don't know where they came up with the number for three, but I guess they counted the two and said, you know what? Let's give one more. So it's out of three. I'm wondering if there's any insert sets. So we talk about, we talk about like not, or you say it, it, it kind of has to fit your, collection it has to be for a set and i i sometimes like to kind of like just buy weird random stuff i started this side project called oh, one 
called one in a dot, dot, dot. Like you've heard one in a million or one in a hundred or one in a, like you're one in a million kid, right? Yeah. Or that saying, right? So one in a, right? So in the set, in my project, I have a card that's numbered one out of one. I have a card that's numbered one out of 10. I have a card that's numbered one out of 30. I have a card that's numbered one out of 100. I think I got a card that's numbered one out of 250. And so basically, I just try to find a, a serial numbered card. And if it's one out of whatever. So I would actually need a one out of three. And then if there's a card out there that's a one out of four, I would need that too. So what if it's of- what if it's card number two out of three? Nope. It's got to be one. It's got to be the number one card. Got to be the number one. Oh, geez, those that are is... eBay. Those are eBay one of ones. Those are impossible to get for a normal price that humans can afford. Yeah, but if it's a card of anybody, then you know, Miko Koivu from you know a 2013 Panini product, it's going to be a five dollar card, and I can live with that. You know what I mean? Unless you're from Minnesota, it might be worth six. So, I mean, yeah, so I, I I always look at the serial numbers, and if it's a 1 out of, if it's like a 1 out of 10, and I already have a 1 out of 10, and I don't like this one better than that one, then eh, then I'll just, you know, sell it or trade it or get rid of it or just throw it aside or whatever. But if it's like, um, you know, because like... I believe I, I might yeah. be able to help you with this. Uh-oh. Because I'm pretty sure I have... Pretty sure I have a couple ones that I can that I'd be willing to get rid of. So I, I got to take a look. I think I have an Ovechkin black retro parallel from Opeachy from one year. I don't wow. remember which one. And I think it's one out of something. It would be one out of a hundred. Right. Do you have a one out of a hundred already? Probably, but probably oh, not as good as good. Ovechkin. So nope, I'm keeping it. You already nope, said you no, nope, no. Nope. Too late. You already so. said. <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I'll, have uh, to take, I'll have to take a look, see see if I have it. So the challenge is in finding a card, you know, cards that were serial numbered out of thirty seven or, you know, two ninety. Sure. You know, you get two ninety nine, three ninety nine, four ninety nine, maybe six ninety nine, like the um, certified sets from a number of years ago. But like, you know, just you're never going to have limiting it on what number you're going up to. Or just as long as it's a one out of something and you don't have the number yet, that's what you're one out of something. And as long as it's like a legitimate serial number, like you could go back to one of those mid 90s sets where they're serial numbered out of 5,000. As long as it's number one, you'll take it. Yeah, but not like those signature rookie cards that said one out of 250,000 because they all said one out of 250,000. It just was check the the last few years of uh, SP. With the the parallel the serial numbered parallels that are numbered to either jersey numbers or whatever the significant event is that they're trying to commemorate, mm-hmm. like how many goals they scored or numbered out of those, you'll find weird numbers there. Yeah, that'd be kind of fun. And I just need like a you know, this guy had a card that was limited to two hundred and forty three copies or something probably not going to happen it's probably going to be mostly stuff between one and a hundred but even then you're not going to have like one out of 77 unless it's like a ray bork card or something and they numbered it to 77 because of his number 77 right and i think you'll, you'll be able to find those just finding the number one card and prying it out of the hands of whoever owns it 
that's probably a team collector or a player collector, good luck with that. Well, part of it was I just wanted to keep these cards that I would... I, I For a little while, I was having pretty good luck, like, getting a card that was, like, a 1 out of 10 or, like, a 1 out of 30. Like, I'd either find it and it was, like, inexpensive or I would get it in a pack and I'd say, you know, I'm, I'm just going to keep this because I like it. Yeah. Speaking of 1 out of 15, what so other things did you get? So, wait a minute. So, wait. You're telling me I'm going to have to find the number 1 of this uh, Liam Foodie card now. Apparently, yes. Damn it! So, if it's out there, I want it because the guy's name is Foodie. Good luck. Good luck with that. What's that supposed to mean? That means your wife collects players with weird names, so don't even. Not with weird name. Well, well, maybe, maybe sort of. Two two chi two and ru two. She doesn't do ru two. Oh. So, he he's not on the list. Which Rue 2 are we talking about? Any of them. She doesn't collect any of them. Okay. She does collect Gergensons, though. Zemgis Gergensons. Zemgis Gergensons, yeah. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so what other inserts did you pull out of there? Did you get any of the Mirror Mirror ones that I think uh, were awesome? I got a couple of Mirror Mirrors. I got one of uh, Brad Marchand, and I got um, one of... Uh, you know, it's funny. All my fat packs seem to have Connor McDavid insert cards. And my hobby box was just so heavy on Nathan McKinnon's. I got a uh, Nathan McKinnon net crashers card. And then I got a Nathan McKinnon high speed Uh, insert card. The the good old high speed, the throwback to the 95 ultra. And then I got the, um, yeah, good, good, good catch on that. And then I got the uh, Nathan McKinnon Mirror Mirror card. So I guess if I was an Avs fan, this would be a cool box to get to. Oh, and then I got a piece of a Nathan McKinnon puzzle. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So the, uh, I know we talked about this briefly on another show, but we brought up the Mirror Mirror cards and they were a prototype design that was made by a kid that, uh, had put in a suggestion to upper deck that they should make a card design that had a picture of a player facing himself. Mm -hmm. Um, and eventually upper deck made the cards and this is them. These are the mirror mirrors. So I think they're kind of cool. I mean, it shows the player basically a reverse reverse shot of them facing themselves on the card. And then there's also, um, the variation um, where the player is facing themselves, but themselves in a differing jersey or at a different time in their career. So it could be an older player looking at his younger self or an away jersey looking at a home jersey or something of that nature. Um, so those are, I think those are kind of cool. It's a cool, it's a neat little concept. There's only 10 cards in the set. So if you go after all of them, you got 10 in the base and 10 in the uh, um, variations. Hmm. I like the idea of the the player and then the younger version of the same player. Kind of reminds me of the remember the top baseball cards that had to turn back the clock and they yeah. show like the player. Um, like, I mean, I started collecting sports cards in '85, so I remember the '85 top baseball set really well because I bought tons of baseball that year, and I remember like. Oh wow! This guy played since the late '60s. You, you know what I mean? Like, turn back the clock. Here's Nolan Ryan now. Here's Nolan Ryan in 1968. And you know, as a kid, 
being born in 75, but you think that 1968 was like a million years ago. You know what I mean? Like, wow, that guy played forever. Yeah. They're, they're kind of like that. It's just, uh, mostly you just get the, you just got like the headshot, but it's the mm-hmm. profile picture facing mm-hmm. sideways. So it looks like they're looking at themselves. Hence mirror, mirror. But sometimes I we all have cool. to look at ourselves. That's my uh, of all the cards in the set. That's probably my favorite insert set that they came out with for this year. I think those are kind of cool. But you didn't get any of the uh, the unannounced inserts that have the alternate photos, huh? Why don't you tell us about that? Because I was I, this was news to me. Well, Upper Deck always puts out those unannounced Easter eggs that they don't tell anybody about and refuse to tell anybody about print runs on. Um, And this year's MVP has alternate photos of players. So kind of like the OPG also had alternate photos uh, and wearing alternate jerseys and things like that. Um, This year, they're not numbered like the base. They're actually numbered separately. Um, and there's all-star versions, global series versions for both Czech Republic and Sweden. Um, and there's Heritage Classic ones and postseason ones, which they've had postseason before. And there's Winter Classic ones as well. So um, you'll find just differing photos. And on the fronts of them, down on the bottom where they have that little kind of rhombus-shaped black space with the stripes in them, it'll actually say what what it's from, All-Star or Global Series or Winter Classic or whatever it comes from. And they're actually a different number. So if you're sorting these and you're putting them in order, they're easier to pick out. Then you put them all together and you threw them in a box and forgot about them. And six years later, you realize, I have all these short prints I didn't know I had because I've done that before. But... um yeah, so I was able. I got one. I got the uh, Patrick Kane All Star out of the box that I opened, um, and when I first pulled it out, I'm like, "What in the world is this? This looks weird. Like, is these part of the base set?" And I was trying to find them, and I couldn't find them. I looked at the checklist, and they weren't on the checklist. And so then I flipped over the back, and I saw it was numbered AS eight. I'm thinking, "Okay, what is this?" But then I found it eventually. Somebody put out a a uh, extended checklist that showed them as unannounced inserts. So, but they've been popping up on eBay um, a lot. And I mean, most of them are selling any, depending on who the player is and what it is. I mean, you're talking 20, 30, 40 bucks. Wow. People are trying to sell these for. So whether they do or not, it's a different story. Oh, I see. So that's not the sale prices. That's just the what what they're selling them for, but not that's, the actual. That's what they're for sale for. Gotcha. Uh, you know, if you actually looked at uh, closed auctions on them, you'll see them all over the place. So mm. again, it just depends on um, depends on the subject matter. Um, the uh, the the well for this year's. The postseason one for Patrick Kane, I saw it sell for a dollar. But then the one like the one I have, I saw it sold for 17 bucks. So again, it, it's all over the board. 
Um, well, I think I think all star games because they're such a special event. I mean, love them or hate them, we can all point and say that's from that particular game. Whereas just a postseason version of a card. I mean, it could be from any number of games. I mean, the All Star Game is still an event. You know what I mean? It is. Like I remember with uh, you brought up Fleer Ultra, and I remember the ninety two ninety three. Fleer Ultra set trying to get all the all-star cards and they were in those god-awful red, white, and blue NHL all-star jerseys. But for some reason, I just wanted them all. And I remember paying like, you know, $15 for the Gretzky card back in the day because I needed it. And this was pre-eBay. So it was, um, you know, it was just you walked into a card shop and you hoped they had the cards that you needed. And if they did, you hoped it was something you'd be willing to pay. You know what I mean? So and and actually, um, oh, was it ninety four ninety five? That year's ultra set, because that was from the ninety three ninety four All Star Game, and I really loved that game for some reason. Like to me, like I loved the All Star Game that I went to, and I loved the ninety four game that was in New York for some reason. I don't even remember who won, but I just it just I don't know. I just I remember watching that game from like to start to finish and just you know, being just so enamored with it. And I loved the the purple and the teal jerseys that they switched to because it was the 90s. So it just made sense at the time. Um, and yeah, I remember like, I don't think I paid through the nose for those cards. But yeah, like I could see like saying, yeah, I want to finish this all-star set, you know, and, and putting it together. I think that's maybe a little more appealing than just like playoff variations. Okay. Sure. No, I I see what you're saying. Oh, you know, the, I'm glad the player that... collectors are the ones that are going to get annoyed by by the fact that these other things exist because it's just more you got to chase, and but, since but they're short printed and harder to find, that's why well, they're. That's the thing. If you're like if you're if you're trying to get all the Patrick King cards from the set, well, if you're going to go after those unannounced inserts, well, guess what. There's four more. <laughs> so I wanted to talk about a... I wanted to talk about one card in particular. Which one's that? That would be Patrick Marlowe of the Pittsburgh Penguins. No, wait, of the San Jose Sharks. It's like Upper Deck was clairvoyant or something when they made this card. So to give a little bit of context, it's a card of Patrick Marlowe. The last line of stats, because these are 2021 cards, so it's going to have the 2019-20 statistics, and it shows that Marlowe played 66 games split between split between San Jose and Pittsburgh. Okay, eight of those games were in Pittsburgh. And um, what's it called? Um, what is unique about this is that he is pictured with the San Jose Sharks. But the time that this set came out, Marlowe was, well, technically, I guess he would have been a UFA. But they didn't bother to get a picture of him as a penguin to put on this card. They pictured him as a shark. And then it even says on the bottom, sharks. So it's like, usually like when a set of card comes out, um, the cards pictured the player with the last team that they played for. Marlowe's last team when this set came out was the Penguins. 
So why is he pictured as a shark? Even OPG, which came out a little bit later, um, uh, maybe a couple weeks after this set came out, they put uh, they put Patty in a penguin's jersey. So it's just, I don't know, just an odd thing to do. It's probably because he doesn't look right in any jersey other than a shark's jersey. True. And he's going to look... Weird. Well, I mean... Seeing him in a penguin's jersey, it was kind of cool for a while. But I mean, let's be honest, he wasn't he wasn't the impactful player that he could have been. I don't think they tried to use him like they may have should have. Uh, and he only played a few games for the Penguins, so it wasn't like he played a full season or anything like that. No, but his last team was the Penguins. No, as he, of, I, I as agree. Press he was. Time, yeah, it was. So. It just, it seemed like, I, I honestly, I wonder if this was just an oversight. I don't know. I, I yeah. kind of see it both ways, but you're right. Sometimes it'll show them like that and then it have the word traded to the penguins or something of that nature. But at this point in time, when these were manufactured and put out, they should have at least had a now picture. With, now with, well, at worst, they could have put now with penguins on, on the card. Yeah. I wonder like if they an do old that school tops card. I don't. I don't know if MVPs have those kind of notes on. No, you I don't know that only, I've ever noticed. The only cards I I recall Panini doing that with some of their cards in like the ten eleven season because I know like Anton Kudobin's card has him pictured with one team, but it has like the logo of another team and it says now with whatever. Yeah, I mean that was a common practice for a long time. Well, no, I mean, in, in the 80s and 70s, 80s, and 90s, yeah, they did that a lot. But I'm talking about now they just get a picture. I mean, now you don't have to develop film and, and get a print made. And all the, now it's all digital, you know? You can, get, you can get digital pictures the same day or the next day and, and buy them and use them in your products, you know, like pay the licensing fee. So, um, yeah, there's no reason why they couldn't have had... Marlo maybe maybe picture. maybe Getty Images didn't have a picture of him yet. That could be. Eh, I doubt it though, because it. or maybe played... they were charging way too much because they were the only ones that had one. Mm, I don't know about that because they 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 put them they put them in the Penguins jersey for the OPG set. I'm gonna just bet that it was an oversight because every time I've asked Upper Deck about this, like I think it was. Um, it's 2007, not 07, 08. I think it was the nine. Let's see. The Penguins won the cup in 2009, correct? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. So I want to say it was the next season. The 910 upper deck set had two cards of Evgeny Malkin. He's in series one and he's in series two. Yes. And true. I asked upper deck, why did you do that? And they just said, no, it's just an oversight. Um, He's not the only one that shows up in Series 1 and Series 2 in some upper deck sets. Yes. In fact, I have a small pile of cards that I'm, I'm going to... I, 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 Patrick Sharp appeared twice in the same set. Daniel Carcillo has appeared twice in the same set. Um, mm. Michael Roosevelt has appeared twice in the same set. And if you want to go all the way back to 9091, which we'll do eventually for this podcast, 
Uh, Mike Ho of the uh, Quebec Nordiques appeared in Pro Set Series 1 and Pro Set Series 2. So it, it does happen. If I recall correctly, I think um, either 2007 or 2008, I think Kovalchuk has one in Series 1 and Series 2. One of them's a sideways picture, and one of them's a vertical picture. Same, same team, right? Not like a, tr- not like traded to a different team. That's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if one is one he's no, on the Kofi... Thrashers, one he's on the Thrashers, and the other one he's. Well, I think he's on the Thrashers on both cards. Yeah, they did that quite a bit. Like I said, there's like Patrick Sharp. I want to say it was in a Fleer Ultra set, and uh, Daniel Carcillo, for some reason. In, uh, I want to say he's pictured with the Flyers in both Series 1 and Series 2. So, yeah, like when I'm like going through this and I'm like, wait a minute, why does Evgeny Malkin have two cards in this set? Wasn't there a different Penguins player that they could have put in there instead? Which Probably. obviously, yeah, the answer is yes. But I mean, I mean, yeah, of course. But yeah, I just, it's, it's, it's probably just a, um, an oversight. But, um, I just thought it was kind of funny, like, because now it seems, well, yeah, he's on the Sharks again. So now this card is, like, extremely accurate. They'll probably give him back his old number as well. That could be. What's kind of funny is that Thornton, Joe Thornton, signed with the Maple Leafs, and Marlowe played for the Maple Leafs. So it's like the Maple Leafs are like, "Uh uh-oh, we lost our really old guy. We need to fill our quota for another really old guy. Call Yager. Yager's unavailable. Okay, well, who's out there? Hey, how about Joe Thornton? All right, Joe Thornton. <laughs> he, um, yeah, he said that he was, you know, he knew he, he knew he couldn't stay in San Jose, even though if he had got his way, that's what he would like to do. But, you know, he also wants to have a shot at winning the cup. And I... So I mean, he went yeah, to Toronto? On, on, on paper, Toronto could win a cup. Yes. Will they actually will it materialize that way? I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I still think they need to shear up some of their defense. Yeah. And get uh their their defensive play is just it's it's not it's not a Stanley Cup champion type team but oh. you know more power to him if he wants to do that before he retires then so be it um he uh i forget there i think he's going to be wearing number 97 i believe mm-hmm. uh, because the other old guy on their team uh jason spezza uh, has his number and uh actually called him and uh, said hey dude you want your number and he's like not nah, you keep it I'll pick something else. So, right. Yeah. But uh, he's playing over in the uh, Finnish league, I believe. No, 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 he's playing in Switzerland. Switzerland, yeah. Yeah, Switzerland. he, which is where he spent the 0405 lockout. Yeah, so I think his, his wife. Wife's wife yeah. from there, yeah. Yeah, so, so. Spending time over there, and he'll be back whenever the season decides to start again. Yeah, well, maybe January 1, maybe January 2, maybe... February. I mean, he's he's from that area too. I mean, that's where he's originally from. It's the right. Area. His parents still live up there. I think where he said the where he'd be staying, his parents are like a few miles away or something like that. So, be able to see their grandkids and all that kind of stuff. So, it's good for him. It's a family move. I mean, I, I'm sure if this is his last season, 
then you'll see one of those one day contracts signed with San Jose. Big big to do, retire his number, have a good mm-hmm. have a nice day. Mm-hmm. If they right. don't, they're but I'm sure that's what they'll do. So uh getting back to MVP. Which he build... was once. Oh yes, he was. He was also a Bruin, also a first former first overall pick. Played for Sue. The Sue Greyhound, I have that card. 95-96 Slapshot OHL. He's pictured with the Sioux Greyhounds. I have the classic draft card where he's on the back. On the, the back? Version. Yeah, he's on the back. There were two guys on the front and two on the back. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, I remember those. I have the Bl- gold version. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you're going to put together, I take it you're going to put together MVP? Yeah, I already started building it, but I haven't put my checklist together yet of what mm-hmm. I need. Um, well, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I need a, a, a pretty hefty chunk. Uh, obviously, I need a lot of the puzzle backs, um, but the, that's more of a that's more of a, a marathon and not a sprint, um, as it is for all the other years. But uh, those do look really cool in a page if you do the puzzle. I, uh, I'm. One, two, three, four, five cards away from a base set and 32 cards away or 33 cards away from a uh, all the short prints. So I'm, I'm almost done with the base. I'd like to actually, I think this year I'm going to, I'm going to put together, I'll put together this full set. I mean, I'm already in, you know, 18 cards into the, the short print set. So might as well just go all the way on it. And, uh, yeah, definitely finish the base set. And then I'll probably buy the retail version also because I'm weird like that. Yeah, and it was it's kind of interesting, too. The uh, did, did you notice when you were opening them, you had all the main base cards were that uh, greenish, yellowish, greenish color, whatever you want to call that? Pea green? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know it's what like color a yellow. It it's like a, it's like a like yellowish a... green color. It's like, is the dress blue or brown, right? But, I mean, are these then, cards... Like, the f- two packs into the box I had, then I pull out a card, and it's, like, this blue color. And I'm thinking, what is this? Is this a retail? <laughs> like, yeah, I know, it's right? It's a different sure. color. But, uh, yeah, so all the... you'll if you, if you haven't bought any of this yet, and you start opening it, all of the base cards, 1 through 200, are that greenish color. All of the short prints are like a turquoise blue. Mm -hmm. So it kind of distinguishes them. So you know right away that you got a short print, unlike some years where they all look the same and you'd have Mm -hmm. to look at the card number on the back to tell. Um, Yeah. At first glance, I did. I I thought this, I thought it was a parallel. Yeah. I thought it was just a different order parallel. I did too. Then I realized those were the, those were the high numbers. So they had to make them a little more special. Yes. So, but I like the set design. I mean, it's it's kind of the same, like you said. It's it it harkens to most of the designs from the previous years, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, it's MVP. Uh, it's definitely better than old MVP sets where the player's photo was less than a third of the card, and they took up the rest with borders and the the brand name and everything else. So they've kind of gone more to predominant photo and less of all the extra stuff which is nice um you know it it does give you the option of chasing after a parallel set with the silvers and potentially the superscripts like the one you pulled 
Um, of course, there's black ones that are out of five, and there's printing plates as well that you can go after there. Um, for people that like autographs, there are autographs. They're practically impossible to find, but there are some autographs out there um, that uh, that you can pull. Uh, the autograph checklist that uh, that's available is uh, there's only 14 cards, and uh, they're all rookies. And they're one out of, I want to say, 260, 270 packs, something like that. So much tougher pull, but there is the possibility of, of getting autographs. And, of course, the, the 20th anniversary set is pretty cool. And how could I forget the mirror, mirror inserts? I like those a lot. The high speeds, eh, they're kind of, eh. It's kind of like a throw-in, but I like the, the high speeds and the net crashers. Yeah, yeah the net crashers has been around. I mean, that's a set that they've they've had that the last few years of net crashers version. In fact, once it, once this hits EPAC, I'm sure there'll be multiple parallels of that too. Because uh, once last year's hit EPAC, then all of a sudden there was a red parallel version hmm. um, of those as well. So that'll probably end up being the same as this year, but. Uh, so there's all sorts of things you can chase in here. So it's it's got a little something for for everybody, I think. Um, and it, the price point on it, really, with the way card prices have gotten over the last six months, this is definitely a much more affordable option if you're looking to break break some hockey product. Yeah, well, I think I've said everything that I needed to say, and it sounds like you said the rest quite eloquently. Good wrap-up to the end of the show. I don't know about eloquently, but, you know. I said, I said it all without swearing, so that's yeah. a <laughs> Try to keep it PG or PG-13. All right, well, thank you for listening to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. As always, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to it. Please tell people you know. And uh, please be sure to tune in to the next show. And uh, thanks again for listening. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.